Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Red Cheetah Yoga Transformational Podcast. And tuning in with you is Nikki McGowan, owner, founder, and CEO of Red Cheetah Yoga and the creator of the Red Cheetah Yoga Podcast, of which I'm also the hostess. So today's episode is um, actually one of my favorite. Um, It's pretty daring and bold and out there. And um, I just wanted to connect with you guys before um, you tune in to the whole episode um, because in the spirit of the content of this episode, um, this is our my first, the first NSFW episode, which means not safe for work. So you guys are forewarned. This is definitely an episode about sexual health and sexuality and, you know, so many things that come with that. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Courtney onto um, this podcast is because of the strides she's making in that realm of education and human connection. So um, this episode does go pretty in depth of um, some of the work she does with her clients um, with very specific examples of um, things that can be done. So with that being said, um, there are some shares on this episode. I know I go out on a limb personally. I was very aware that this is a very public space and forum um, and in the spirit of the conversation and what Courtney is up to creating in this world. Um, I decided to take a risk myself and share some very personal and intimate things um, from my past experiences. So all in the effort to, um, you know, just share and move this whole conversation forward because like we go into very deep detail in this episode, um, you know, they these topics still are very taboo and it's something that Courtney is working on turning around in our society. So um, you're going to learn a lot of really cool stuff. I know Courtney left me very surprised with a lot of things she had to share and um, you guys are going to love it too. You're going to get so much out of this episode and I'm sure there is another episode coming very soon with Courtney because she has so much to share. Um, So before I launch you guys into the interview itself. Just a couple of events to promote. Um, The Cheetah Coalition Project Yoga Class at Brickle City Center, um, hosted by Lululemon, is happening December 29th. That is a Sunday, the day after my birthday. It's going to be amazing. It'll be at 11 a.m. It's called Sweat and Stretch. It's at Brickle City Center, so if you're getting on to Eventbrite to get the free ticket, still get the ticket even though it's free. Um, It just holds you accountable. You're going to have that physical ticket on your phone, which I guess is really non-physical because it's just on your phone. Um, But definitely sign up for the yoga class and come and do some nice power yoga on your mat during the holidays. So um, sign up for that December 29th at 11 a.m. And make sure that you donate to the Cheetah Coalition Project. So... um, the Cheetah Coalition Project. Make sure that you go to redcheetahyoga.com and click on studio. It'll link you directly to the ifundwomen.com page and give $25 and you'll get three classes when we open our doors and the um, ranges of um, giving go all the way up to $5,000. Now, I 
am launching something new with this program. If any of you guys want to reach out to me individually, redcheetayoga.com, click on contact. Um, I am offering something really special for, um, for those of you who might want to donate a little bit more. And we're talking like lifetime membership at all locations. So if that appeals to you and you want yoga forever at Red Cheetah Yoga Studios, please reach out um, and send me an email on the website. Last but not least, goat yoga happening January 18th, February 1st, and 2nd. All classes at 9 a.m. at John Ferguson High School here in Miami. The um, tickets are dropping very, very, very soon. So if you want to get on to um, the list... Uh, you don't have to be on the list to get the tickets for this, but I do recommend you're going to want to get these ticket links sent to your inbox. This does sell out very fast. So to get the tickets, get onto the newsletter for Red Cheetah Yoga. Send me an email, attention, goat yoga, and the email is redcheetahyoga at gmail.com. That's red as in the color, cheetah as in the animal, yoga. So if that appeals to you, please send me an email as soon as you can. That is also a fundraiser for the high school. And I just got a message from the um, teacher organizing the event um, that they are getting their hands on more baby goats. So um, we are probably going to be able to have a much bigger class than we initially anticipated. So definitely get on board and do some yoga with baby goats with us. And without further ado, I give you Courtney Avery of Intimate Health Yoga. Enjoy the show and let me know what you guys think in an email or a DM. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Nikki. Is this time better? Can this is great. Yes. yes. Great. Amazing. Welcome to the Red Cheetah Yoga Transformational Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for being a yes to this. And I was so excited um, that you said yes to this because I feel like you have really important things to share with the whole world. Oh, thank you. Of course. So where are you recording from right now? So right now I'm in San Diego. I'm on Mission Bay and I pulled up my Sprinter van onto the beach and I'm looking at the beach um, and I'm sitting on my bed. Yeah. Oh, so great. So speak more to that. Your bed is in your Sprinter van. Why? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my boyfriend and I decided to get a Mercedes Sprinter van and convert it into a basically a tiny house. So we moved out of our apartment in March and we've been in this van ever since. Wow, March to November. Yes. How are you liking it? Honestly, I'm I'm loving it more than I thought I would. Really? <laughs> Why? What it, what what is it that has you loving it so much? It's, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of being out in nature mm -hmm. and I really feel like I live outside, which sounds like funny, but I really feel like I live outside. Now. <laughs> um, but it's really, it's just about the freedom of going wherever we want to go at any moment. Um, and it's really, I, I think California is 
perfect for living in a van or van dwelling, as they call it. What do they um, call it? Van what? Van dwelling. Van dwelling. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Because I think the main thing is it's, you know, people are like, oh, my God, how do you live in a van? I'm like, well, I live out of a van. <laughs> I spend most of my time not inside the van. But it's so comfy and cozy. I love hanging out inside of here, too. That's so, so. great. Because the weather there is so great all the time, right? Yeah, real spoiled. Oh, that's so perfect. So what do you do? Yeah. Um, let's let's like discuss this for a couple minutes. I want to give it a little bit of attention because I'm fascinated. Um, what do you guys <laughs> do for meals and what do you do for showers? So meals, we actually just made some coffee and eggs. We've got um, like a propane cooker or propane grill. Um, and then we also have an electric stovetop. Um, my boyfriend's a mechanical engineer, so he really decked this place out with any, every, everything that you could imagine, really. So we have like a full battery system that's charged by the car as we drive. So we can cook anything. We have running water. Um, so for showers, um, we, we have a sink, right? Mm-hmm. But we actually, we don't have a shower. We tried to use a shower bag with a pop-up shower tent and a dog bath, and it was ridiculous. We were like, this is stupid. Like, (laughs) we're trying way too hard. How about we just find campgrounds or gyms or we have a lot of family in San Diego now, Um, so we, we bum off people's showers, but we stay, honestly, we, we do a lot of, like, uh, like washcloth baths basically Perfect. so yeah oh, it's fine <laughs> well it's really- if, if you're gonna live in a in a van dwelling with anyone it might as well be with a mechanical engineer am I right that's the thing I'm like you know what this is good we're a good match <laughs> <laughs> whose idea was it was it yours or his um I want to say his he's actually done this before I met him for a year oh very Um, cool yeah so he had experience with that and I'm just like enamored by the idea and I've spent a lot of my time just nomading around different places living out of a backpack so I'm I'm not like uncomfortable with the idea of not having a lot of personal belongings so um we both left our research job that we um we met doing research together actually um, and we left that last year around this time and we that's when we made the decision we're like you know this is for something like let's do what we want to do right now that's so great here we are that's <laughs> yeah I I like having a, a brick and mortar place to live in for- <laughs> <laughs> but my place <laughs> that much bigger than probably like two or three vans pushed together <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing that's uh, so- and that's see honestly I have no I think it's great and this isn't like a long-term plan mm-hmm. we um you know we both want to find a place that we really love whether it's here in another country and until then we're like let's just do this van thing until we find a good like where we want to settle that's so. awesome so I do have one more question about the van dwelling yes <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we can move on to you know the other topics that I have bulleted um yes 
so like i just feel like in florida this would be an issue here in miami and that's like the overnight parking to sleep like where uh-huh. like i feel like you'd get in like trouble left and right and people will be calling you in if you try to do that anywhere in south florida um is that more accepted in california are you allowed to like kind of park anywhere and sleep or how does that work so yes and no um there's a there are so many vans like i'm actually looking at one right now another another decked out one like next to me like there's a lot of people doing this um there's also a huge homeless population here and you know it's funny because i wouldn't consider myself homeless but in that camp we're in the same position of we need to find somewhere to sleep um right so it's it's um it's almost sad to me because the laws like disproportionately affect people who have all their belongings like kind of like scattered in their car if basically if it looks like you are living in your van and sleeping there then you'll probably get in trouble for parking somewhere overnight where you can't technically sleep um for us we have like blackout curtains blackout window it it looks like a delivery truck um (laughs) it doesn't look like there's like vents or anything so like we call it stealth mode camping um but if we park in an area where there's just a bunch of cars parked out then we'll sleep overnight and no one really bothers us um yeah we haven't had any issues and that's what most people do however it's it is sad that there are people who really um they're not doing this for fun like we are uh-huh. and um they're the ones who get in trouble with the law which is pretty sad yeah i get that because yeah they might not be taking the precautions that you are and like you know probably kind of living into like the i don't have a home kind of story exactly yeah because you you guys and- still work right you and your boyfriend are still going to work every day and like or what yes. the schedule looks like um yes so what do you do if like one person um like works at a different time somewhere else across town is it just like okay honey i'll drop you off and then i'll go to work kind of a deal like yeah like, pretty much car yeah car is also your house mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it's really oh my gosh we are so, i mean we're still pretty new to this uh-huh. um i still have a car he still has a car we leave it at our family's uh like places and houses and apartments um <laughs> And we were laughing. We're like, oh, my God, we are the bougiest people living in a van. Like, we have three cars between us. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, that's oh God. That's so great. It'd be great if you parked your van permanently someplace and had, like, both cars at it. Like, that would be really great. <laughs> I'm actually looking to sell my car because I'm like, this is this is enough. <laughs> three too many cars. So. Oh. That's amazing. You're always an inspiration to me, Courtney. Like when you suggested that, when was it? When was it that I saw you? Was it two September's ago? Yeah, yeah. Right? Or was it three? Yeah. Sep- no, no. no it was November. When ago. was the retreat? What was that? September twenty seventeen. Was it September or November? Wait a minute. It was November. No. Oh gosh. No, I think it, it was September, but I think it was last year. Yeah. Was it two thousand eighteen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay, oh so, yeah, because it, it, it was, like, right around, like, because um, I think my ex and I had, had been broken up for about a year. 
when I went. Yes. To- uh huh. So yeah, that makes sense. It was September 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a really yeah. good month for me. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I reconnected with a lot of people from my past that whole month. It was a very, a very healing time for me. Um, yeah, you're on fire. If you have no that. idea what we're talking about, Courtney led a um, women's retreat last fall up in, was mm-hmm. it where was it? Yeah, West Palm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was such an incredible experience. I, oh my oh. God, that was unbelievable. The house you girls rented and the activities that you had and, you know, mm. oh, it was just such a, such a wonderful experience. So, oh, so good. we go back, you know that we met almost eight years ago now? No. Yeah. What? Yeah, Balkanyasa is- Yoga opened in 2012. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> right? Can you believe that? Like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you're living in a van. <laughs> oh, God. Living uh, in a van. <laughs> I'm in a tiny cottage in like the middle of Miami that like no one knows even exists. <laughs> You've got your oasis with your animals. What's going on? I know. It's so great. It's very blissful, I feel. <laughs> so cool. Oh, I love it. So great. <laughs> So um, I remember when we did yoga teacher training together, um, you know, I was doing the yoga for athletes thing mm-hmm. um, with a lot of the teens, teens at UM and I had just started, I was like very new into CrossFit and um, I remember you shared a lot about like, you just knew so much about like, not just sexual health from like a medical standpoint, but um, sexual health from like, you know, a relationship standpoint and like in a health like a health as in like like more like mental health and like spiritual health and like soul health is how mm-hmm. that's basically how I view you is mm-hmm. all things, which Thank I, you. I yeah, always really like respect you for that and when you have that share in yoga teacher training when I don't remember where in the world you were but um you had helped a woman deliver a baby and like an mm-hmm. emergency delivery um so, uh, yeah, I always knew I'd have you on the podcast. And one day I was doing the whole like scroll thing through Instagram and intimate health yoga popped up. And it was one of these really great posts that you have. I feel like you make posts that no one else makes. Um, and you're really, really going for it for like the topics that you're um, tackling. And that's a lot of like what I want to get into in this episode. Um, so let's start from the top of my little bullet point list of topics. Um, where are you from originally? I'm from Niagara Falls, New York. Oh, nice. A New Yorker. Yes. So yes. And how would you describe your childhood? You know, my childhood was, it was really great. Um, I actually lived half of the year in Florida, um, on Sandoval Island near Fort Myers. Um, Yeah, so I would go back and forth to two different schools from, like, grades three to seven. Mm -hmm. Uh. Um, I had that upbringing. I think it Pause for a second. We actually cut out a little. So I asked you after grades three through seven. The recording does that sometimes. So did you say grades three through seven? Um, so grades three through seven, I
that because I think it really made me uh, just open to different experiences. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I had a very like sheltered upbringing, but um, but I think you know sexual health and sex itself was just completely disconnected from my upbringing. Like it wasn't discussed. It was like it wasn't a thing, right? It wasn't like that. It was a bad thing. It just wasn't a thing. Um, right. Yeah. And interesting fact about me, I missed sex ed because I would go to two different schools. Um, I missed sex ed and reading time on an analog clock. So both of those things I was just real confused about. Time <laughs> and sex. Just growing <laughs> up. <laughs> two random things to have just happened to miss in school. I know. Completely missed. So <laughs> um, eventually I figured it out. Um but yeah, so that was my upbringing. <laughs> oh, so it was between Sanibel and New York. That's really great. I love Sanibel. It's so peaceful there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Amazing. It's incredible. So, um, and then you went to college from there. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yes. So I, college? so I went to the university of Miami for college. Hey, go uh, hell yes. Go Kings. How could I not? <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, I went to, um, I was in school, I was actually originally in school in a pre-med honors program, um, Mm -hmm. kind of like a fast track for pre-med people, but I, halfway through, I took an anthropology class, and um, I fell in love with the idea of how cultures affect medicine and how medicine can affect cultures, you know, equally. Um, So, I changed my major to medical or to anthropology really focusing on like medical anthropology and um and then I eventually went on to get my master's in public health um that I really found that shift because when I started learning about what public health was and someone explained it to me as you become more of the doctor for a population rather than a doctor for one person to fix one specific issue. Mm-hmm. So it's really look, you know, a population and how we can keep them healthy and educated on how to maintain their health. And I really like that idea rather than like using band-aids to cover up issues. Right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So how did, how did you get into yoga? Hmm. So I was actually on a medical anthropology trip in China freshman year. And um, I was like, I'm way too hyper for yoga. Like, there's no way I could just sit there and meditate. So I've always like brushed it away. <laughs> like, hell no. Um, and then I took a yoga class in China and it changed my life. I was like, what is this? Like, I just felt my body for the first time. Wow. Um, and I felt my breath. Um, so that really anchored me throughout, um, undergrad and, you know, I would, that was my exercise and my stress relief. And it really became my spirituality because I never really felt like a deep, um, spiritual connection with any like specific religion. Um, but that really opened up like, okay, there's definitely more to this. Um, so that's how I started yoga. And then, um, and then actually I had, always done classes and I went through school I graduated early and finished my master's in a year and a half um because I was just you know that type a personality like let's get this done 
Um, I just picture that side of you after like working with you at the yoga studio, like (laughs) just like industrious and like, let's finish before everyone else side of Courtney. Like you're always like the free loving, like such a little hippie yoga lover. Like I just have a hard time picturing Oh yeah, beauty side of you, which I definitely believe is real for sure. (laughs) It was refreshing to hear that, but oh my gosh, I love it. So yeah. So when did like um, when did all of like the curiosity around like sexual health and sexuality and all of that um begin? So professionally and like educational career, um, that was my main focus. So I did a lot of disease prevention. Um, global health geared towards women's health Mm -hmm. Um, and when I say disease prevention mainly like HIV and STIs um, prevention and how to educate people on how to prevent the spread um, of STIs so that's when I really you know I learned about I was really focused laser focused um, career-wise but um, when after our yoga teacher training um, I started like you know, personally, it was like, wow, like, sex feels better because I'm actually connecting to my body. Right. Um, and then fast forward to it was a Bala yoga teacher training retreat in Mexico. Um, we did a lot of work on the sacral chakra and around that area. And on the side, I'd been really getting into my own trauma that I experienced as a baby. Um, and it was it was a a surgery and like medical procedures that I remembered. Um, but it, it, you know, it felt like a sexual assault because I was so young and no one could really explain what was happening. Right. Um, so I really, I didn't understand fully how I held on to that and how it affected me and how I experienced pleasure and didn't experience pleasure. Um, so then I was at this yoga training. We did a lot of work on sacral chakra I felt like a huge release had a great conversation with my mom and then we're practicing yoga and all of a sudden I started having orgasms like straight up like I'm on my yoga mat I'm having orgasms and I'm like what what is going on (laughs) really yes whoa so can I um, pause you for a second and go back a little bit? Um, what mm-hmm. kind of surgery did you have as a baby? So it was um, bilateral ureteral re-implants. So where your ureter is attached to your bladder, um, there was a reflux. So it was, it. interestingly enough, my older sister had the problem of chronic to the bladder I didn't but it was more preventative they saw that there was an issue but I I was never sick so I basically had a preventative surgery because my older sister had the same thing that I could potentially develop into Um, how old were you how old are you when you had that surgery done I was like months old oh wow and that's right around the age if I remember right for my chakra education it's right around the age that the second chakra is developing. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's right uh-huh. around two years old. And yes. um, yeah, and that's the chakra yeah, of movement and emotion and sexuality. Exactly. So, intense. Wow. So that was pretty intense for you. And you remember that at 20 months old, huh? 
yeah, that's, I think that's a creepy thing for me. And I was, I really had a hard time wrapping my head around it. And I actually thought I was older um, until I talked to my parents and they're like, you weren't even two. And I was like, wow, why is that memory so strong? But trauma is interesting in your brain and for certain things. So, and, and yeah, it's in your body too. Like totally. Your body remembers. So that mm-hmm. happened when you were 20 months. Mm-hmm. Mexico with um was that your th- part of your 300 hour thing yes um, yeah you finished that with BV or, you got completed? I didn't oh, no yeah, I didn't either <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, no. really they closed <laughs> just hanging just hanging out with a bunch of hours under my belt but so <laughs> I'm doing mine with um my 300 with Megan Eastman next year if you wanted to join <gasps> me oh my god open okay. invitation there yeah so I will Thanks. be I'm putting it out into the universe. Megan, if you're listening to this episode, I am giving you my deposit um, in January. And yeah, I'm really excited. So come and join us. It's going to be unbelievable because I both want and need my 500 hour certification. Yeah. So, and there's no one else I would rather do it with. Oh my God. Agreed. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, <there's- Woo! laughs> so you went, who was leading this retreat? Was it Debbie? Debbie and Kirsten. Debbie and Kirsten. Awesome. So you uh-huh. start having orgasms on your yoga mat during practice or during Shavasana? Like, when did this start? It was actually, it was the last day of the retreat. And I think everyone left, but we hung out at the, I stayed in Mexico with Eugenia for a while just because we did that. Um, awesome. But we, yeah, um, it was like, it was like 10 minutes into practice and it was during movement. Um and now that I know what it is, it was, I think it was definitely a orgasm, which happens when you um, engage your lower abdominal muscles in such a way that your pelvic floor muscles also engage. And however, the nerves la- lie in my pelvis, they're stimulated and it ha- an orgasm happens. Um, I think also energy wise there was a lot of stuck emotions and energy whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. in this physical area and once I was able to emotionally release a lot of it it was like opening the floodgates right and do you think that a lot of those conversations that you had like with your mother and you know like closing the book on some past issues you think that had a lot to do with that release I think it 100% had to do with that release I don't think it would have happened that's amazing. Had you had an mm-hmm. orgasm before this? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you knew what to expect. I knew. Well, not you in would this have capacity. Felt, not, <laughs> no one expects to have an orgasm ten minutes into yoga class. Like, yeah, that's clear. That's when I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> are people watching me right now?" This is so yeah. <laughs> amazing. So it was for sure you were having orgasms ten minutes into class, and they lasted all class. They would like come and go. I think I came like 10 times. It was weird. I was like, what's going on? That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So what did yeah. you do after that? Like, what was your, like, go deeper into that. I want to hear more. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I am absolutely obsessed with yoga and free spirited that way, but I'm also a huge nerd and like, I need the facts and I need to see the research. So I am like between this, like, of course this is happening. Like my energy is flowing. And then at the same time, I'm like, do I have 
a freaking tumor that I'm not aware of. Like, <laughs> why? What's happening? <laughs> right, right. But if um, that's caused by a tumor, give me one, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. And I think, and honestly, I know, um, like, my shame around sexuality and maybe maybe not shame but my um you know this isn't like a topic that we openly discuss with people so I was like you know there's something wrong with me like I I didn't feel comfortable to be like hey I'm having orgasms right um I was like what's going on like this seems different (laughs) right so um so yeah I just I honestly just started asking people um I asked my OBGYN she told me well anything can happen so like literally no answer she like didn't acknowledge it um I asked my yoga teachers and they both laughed and were like that's great we don't know but like figure it out and come teach it so I was like what's going on here like why like everyone's telling me this is fine but like what is it right Um, yeah so that was that's really where it all started was like what what's going on why aren't people talking about this and I can't be the only one right like I was just like what's happening um were your methods on like like what were your next steps after that because you had a really clear question which is like what's going on why did this happen and did this has this happened to anyone else like Mm -hmm. how did you because from this experience you created intimate health yoga correct is this kind of where it Kind of, yeah. In a yeah. Where it began. So, like, what were your next steps after the conclusion of this retreat to learn about all this? Yeah. So I, um, I asked. I just kept researching, and I asked people, like, just like a good little research nerdy student. Um, but I really, after that retreat, and um, I had just finished my master's. I was like, you know what? I haven't taken a break from school. I'm going to go and explore. So I went to Central America. Um, I spent that year really after that experience just asking whoever I could. I actually came out to California and talked to a Tantra guru. Um, I did another teacher training in Costa Rica with someone that's way more um, like spiritual Mm -hmm. in that sense. And she was the first person that was like, oh yeah are you staying hydrated like are you like ejaculating when you come because that's really important and I'm like wait a minute you know about this and it's okay that people are like squirting yeah (laughs) oh you good oh hang on I think I you cut out a little bit are you still there oh yes okay great so she asked you if you're hydrated and um if you're ejaculating during that experience in class right is that what she was referring to yes so exactly so it sounds like you found like your match for your teacher and this was in costa rica yes uh-huh. uh, so what so and was that a tantra yoga teacher training or was that just a normal like spiritual one it was a normal spiritual one but they really incorporated a lot of tantric um belief it was more like tantric like based philosophy with yoga can you define Um, tantra for the um listeners yes so tantra in its essence is a philosophy that essentially incorporates the physical with the spiritual so as opposed to a, a lot of other religions and philosophies 
um, you know, like we want to meditate. We kind of like want to transcend the physical. Mantra invites you deeper into your body to experience enlightenment. So um, it's actually where like at the root of yoga is tantric philosophy. That's like great. keep That's going great. back. Yeah. That reminds um, me of a quote I read. Um, did you read Osho's Tantra? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that book was the first Osho book I ever read and it blew my freaking mind. Um, and yeah. He, he wrote, I think early on in the book, um, where yoga ends, Tantra begins. Okay, you there? Oh, yes, I am here. Great. <laughs> I wonder if you were pausing or if we got cut off a little bit. Awesome. I'm glad you're still there. So okay. you meet this teacher in Costa Rica, and she asked you those questions about hydration. How do you respond? Um, I was like, um, yeah, no, I'm not ejaculating, but you're talking about this like this is normal. Is this normal? Oh, my God, this is the first person that's told me this is a thing that happens. Um, which just, you know, opened me up to like, okay, this is, this is okay. We can talk about this. Why aren't we talking about this more? Like, why do I have to find, you know, like come to Costa Rica and find a really alternative yoga teacher to talk me through this? Um, and that was, you know, that was a moment where I was like, okay, I need to, like, if I'm going to teach yoga, like, I want to teach that. Like, I want to open up this conversation. That's awesome. And you told her that to her face in Costa Rica? Um, or do you think? Yeah. Eh. It, you know, no, it was more, that was a, more about like, okay, thank you for like letting me know. And then, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I did tell her that. Like, <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> like, wait, yeah, I did. That's awesome. <laughs> what did you learn about hydration? and um orgasming during yoga and potential ejaculation during yoga and this is female ejaculation specifically right yeah so yeah which is not that common of a thing so it's interesting to my understanding it's not that common i could be the expert here not me so that could be an assumption on my part wait can you say that again yeah, so I had said something about female ejaculation not being that common, and I stopped myself because I realized I probably don't have my facts right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, because um, she brought it up, and I feel like that's not, I feel um, that that's not a very common thing. So for her to bring that up is surprising to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let's get into squirting. How about that? Yeah. Let's let's. I this is so great. I'm so happy you're on this podcast. Let's talk <laughs> about it. Yeah, just go, Courtney. I just want to hear about it. Awesome. So, squirting can happen in females. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of like hype around this. Like, is it just pee or is it some like mystery liquid in the body? Um. So another thing, like you said most people don't or a lot of people don't know what that is it's actually very difficult when it comes to sexual health to find these numbers because I don't know about you but I don't like is your doctor recording what you tell them like about your sexual health is that something a normal doctor would even ask 
probably not and this was another reason i was like why aren't like sexual health is an indicator of overall health so why aren't we addressing this and you have your own definition of sexual health i believe you shared it at the women's retreat um can you share what sexual health is to you oh hang on you're cutting out again are you there yeah there you are. Okay, you are back. So define sexual health and what that means to you. So I think um, sexual health is intimacy, mental health, and physical health wrapped into one. Um, I think we do, especially in like modern Western culture, like medical culture, we like to really... Um, separate things right so it's like you go to your OBGYN for your vagina and you go to the ENT for your throat but they're not communicating and talking about how it is the same thing so when your doctor or your practitioner is ignoring or not even not even considering how your sexual health is um, then I think there's an issue so for me it's like we need to like talk about all of this if you're looking at your overall health. Um, also, sexual health to me is feeling good in your body. I think that's the most important part is, um, you know, sexual energy is creative energy. It's not, um, they're not separate. So if we just think of sex as this act that we save for pleasure for something else and really think of it more as, how you experience positivity and how you experience pleasure in the world, whether that's pleasure from jumping into the water and feeling alive and amazing or having the best orgasm of your life. I think they're the same. And I wish more people felt that way. That Me too, man. <laughs> that like people just understood that that's just like a, a, just as beautiful of a part of life as walking through the woods. Cause it really is mm-hmm. part of the human experience exactly that's so great exactly um, so yeah back to um squirting <laughs> back to squirting. I feel like you had more to say about that um can you yeah. talk about a, a little more i know i'm directing us around a bunch of corners but um uh-uh, i love it such a big topic and i know we're, we're only gonna get to the very tip of the iceberg on this i might have to have you on in a year or so for a follow-up episode but um so yeah speak to that more oh you're cutting out again oh there you are okay what did you say um okay so let's get into squirting yes (laughs) there's there's two um the way I look at two components that I like to dive into there's the energetic component and then there's the physical like where in the body are you feeling this so the energetic component to Um, squirting orgasms has to do with the physical location or area which is the g-spot so the g-spot is on the anterior part of the vaginal wall so basically if you put your fingers inside your vagina and then push up towards the belly or like towards the top of the vagina that's where the g-spot is um and the g-spot is actually if you like feel the roof of your mouth that like rough kind of walnutty texture 
um, that's what the G spot feels like in your vagina. Um, so that spongier than that, right? I literally just felt the roof of my mouth, by the way, as you described uh-huh. that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good. The listener's pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everyone yeah. do that. Hands in your mouth. <laughs> um, I'm sure all the that. listeners are probably doing the same too, feeling the roofs of their mouths. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and I'll try the inside later. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. So that is the physical location of the G spot. Now, when you push the g-spot is also an extension more or less and people argue about this because we still need to know more about the female anatomy that amazes me that i feel like you know there's there's oh can you hear me yeah all right women on this planet since you know the beginning of human time Mm -hmm. we research freaking everything how Mm -hmm. That we still don't know about this. How is this still a mystery? Uh, researchers tend to focus on sexual health when it comes to males. Um, so it was like, it's not important to put importance on people experiencing pleasure because they just need to have babies and that's all we really care about right so like the clitoris wasn't even in the medical textbooks like they took it out in 1948 of Gray's Anatomy they took it out yeah it wasn't in there and then they finally I think it was like the 80s they finally put it back in and they finally put the legs and the extension of the clitoris because it's not just a little button above your urethra like, it's way bigger. But they right. didn't even put that in the medical textbooks until the 80s. So that's, like, pretty um, – that says a lot to me, like, how backwards our – like, where our medical research focus is when it comes to sexual health. That's really too bad. I mean, I'm glad that they put it back in, but that's almost four decades of it not being in there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty effed up. That is. That is. When um, – so let's go back to um, what we were talking about before because you were getting into i think the me of of squirting right yes so so now we know that the g-spot is actually an extension of the clitoris um and it's also called the urethral sponge so that rough area basically um that tissue extends into and around the urethra which is where you pee so when you push up you're basically pressing against the urethra, so it could feel like you're about to pee. Does that make sense? It's like stimulating the same area where you usually associate that feeling with peeing. Right? Yeah. I'm so, sorry. yeah. <laughs> um, so this is where a lot of women will just, like, stop and squeeze and be like, oh, my God, I don't want to pee on this person or on myself. So we're just not even going to go there. Let's like clench down and we're not going to experience that. If you put a towel down and you want to experiment, you have the potential to ejaculate um, when pressing on this area and stimulating the anterior, the top part of the vagina. Um, So energetically, this area is associated with the throat chakra. Um, So the first time I've ever experienced a 
a squirting orgasm was when I had a really good conversation with my partner. I felt really open. I felt, um, you know, like I kind of let myself be vulnerable and I had, I squirted for the first time and I was like, Oh my God, I've only heard about this. Like, this is amazing. Um, and I really think energetically it had to do with like being open and being on it. That's incredible to me because, you know, being single, um, I will not, can you you hear me? Yes. Yes. Great. (laughs) So being, um, single, I've been single now for about a little over two years. Um, and just going out and dating, if a, if a man is very obviously like only interested in hooking up, he's definitely not going to get anything from me. But yeah. if a man is really interested in wanting to have a conversation with me and learning about who I am and listening, which is another aspect of the throat chakras is, is speaking, being heard and listening. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's just so fascinating to me because I'm not interested in getting intimate with anyone unless there's conversation involved. Totally. And I don't know. I don't know how much you know about the chakras. This is one of my favorite things to teach in yoga teacher training is the chakras. The mm-hmm. chakra and the fifth chakra, which is the sacral and throat, those are both the both different aspects of creativity. They're the only two chakras that deal with creativity. Like the second chakra is um, of like creation of like, you know, unconscious creation and the throat chakra is conscious creation, you know? Yes, I love that. Yeah, like, so that's so fascinating. So is that why those two are related or is it... Or is it something else or something in addition to why the two chakras are related? Yeah. The sacral and the throat or specifically speaking to the G spot. Am I right? Or yes. Did I hear? Yes. That's exactly it. Yes. Is there an explanation for that? Or is it just what basically the examples that I described? It is the examples you described. And I'm sure there's people who can go deeper into that subject. Mm-hmm. I tend to focus on both so I can explain more of the physical stuff um if you want me to go down that road um <laughs> uh, yes absolutely I mean, you're listening <laughs> yeah the same. we want to hear more about the physical stuff for sure because like this is such like like one of the things that kind of breaks my heart like um you know because I've I've been pretty open about my like speaking about my sexuality in the past and um one thing that kind of disappoints me is that um you know I feel like female sexuality is such a source of like almost too much of a, a source of humor for a lot of you know circles um yeah, if, if yeah. that is that your experience too like I feel like you know if you're a girl who ejaculates like that's something that can be made fun of and like maybe a guy might have a certain view of the woman if she um if that does happen when they're intimate um what do you mm-hmm. have to say about about that don't sleep with them yeah oh for sure (laughs) absolutely absolutely and it's just it's sad to me I guess it's because this is such a conversation right now is like you know the the gender roles and like um you know being more kind to women especially in the workplace and with the whole like Harvey Weinstein and all of those scandals that have just erupted um yes you know it's like respect women's sexuality and know yes like these things are really healthy and normal and like you can connect on a deeper level with whoever it is you get to share that with and are willing totally. to share that with. Totally. So, you know, I, I think, yeah. And 
and I say that lightly, I, you know, I kind of like laugh, like obviously don't sleep with him, but it really, it does fucking suck. Like before, um, before I found my partner that I'm with now, like, you know, if I ejaculated with like someone I just met, cause I definitely slept around a lot. Right. right. Um, We're human. Then it's like, yeah. And, and, you know, for a while I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Like you just ejaculated and you don't feel the need to apologize right but why do I and it's you know I think it's it's up to us as individuals to stand up and say no more like I you know yes there's this social norm but like I'm here to say like I'm a sexual being and I'm gonna ejaculate and if you can't handle that then like we need to move forward right Either, like, let me educate you about it and you'd be okay with it, or if that's not going to happen, it's time to just move on. Absolutely. Like, we're both adults here, and if that's not okay with you, then, like, I gotta go. I agree. (laughs) And there's been times when, you know, just, like, being single and, um, you know, going on dates with new men and, like, getting to know them, and, you know, that's, uh, that's occurred for me, and it's, like been a little weird on their part and I'm like "Mm, okay then this is where this ends like yeah yeah like if you can't be comfortable with the fact that I'm I'm very confident and comfortable in my own sexuality Mm -hmm. and um which I think that's one of the things that bonds us as friends and as women um because I've all thought to myself when you make a new post on Instagram especially on intimate health yoga that if I wasn't doing what I'm doing with the you know the, the yoga the yoga for athletes and now moving into um, veterans and curing PTSD. Mm-hmm. Like if those two things were in my life, that this is actually a topic I would have loved to tackle. Um, it just didn't fit in my life um, with the intention that it and attention that it deserves, which I feel like is what you're doing with this whole topic. Um, Thank you. But also, you know what? Like I encourage you to do that once in a while and make it applicable to veterans and athletes like hey did you make time for your sexual health today or you know PTSD really affects sexual health let's talk about it you know it's like I wish it was more of a conversation that everyone was having and I feel like that's what you're doing with intimate health yoga like you're really spearheading that you know giant demon like you know let's talk about this in all groups because like why aren't we like being a student athlete at the University of Miami like our sex ed meeting was them like the typical showing us the scary pictures of STDs on a jump uh-huh. and talking about it and you know the whole conversation use condoms be safe all of that you know and yes you know, and that's to me what sexual health was like that was the picture that's painted for everyone else who didn't miss sexual health in yeah. high school so maybe, how was that yeah it's a good thing you missed that like yeah I would have been pissed so, but it's just so disempowering and like and in my experience like I remember in I want to say it was seventh or eighth grade when we had um when we had like home ec classes and my teacher who's this really like forward thinking woman and pretty flamboyant in her personality. And she had to teach us, you know, the run of the mill kind of sex ed, like I just mentioned. And she mm-hmm. told us in class once, cause we were like, Oh my God, we hear this same information every year and it doesn't change and it's boring. And um, she goes, I wish I could teach you guys about love and intimacy, but wow. the school district won't let me do it. 
And it's so important to learn, to learn how to be in a relationship and how to, you know, um, listen to your partner, respect your partner and know that it's, it's really give and take. And she goes, it's a shame. I can't teach you kids that because you're Mm -hmm. to all be adults and it's a travesty. And she actually, wow. I was in seventh or eighth grade. I forget which which grade it was but we, uh, wow yeah it was really amazing to hear an adult in my life say that and acknowledge it because I grew up in the same household sex just wasn't really brought up mm-hmm. at all um my parents relied on waiting um for school to address it so they didn't have mm-hmm. to I mm-hmm. remember very upset in fourth grade that I had to learn about periods from my school teacher mm-hmm. and I'm ever hearing about it and I felt very betrayed and mm-hmm. um, and I don't think like either one of my mothers like my biological mother and the and my stepmother um who my dad married um I don't think either one of them had an intention for that to happen of course no but just the fact that even that was taboo you know totally like, it's on I don't know how it is now for young children how it's different um but I was just so in the dark about so many things. And I feel like it actually set me up for a lot of relationship problems when I was like an older teenager, um, going to college and going into my twenties, I had a lot of like terrible relationship blowups. And, and on top of that curiosity. Yeah. You know, it just, it's uh, looking back. It was just a travesty. Like the fact that I had two women, raising me and I didn't mm-hmm. I little legitimately did not know about a period until I was in fourth grade and I was terrified I'm like my body's gonna do what and I have to yeah. do what and it's in preparation for what like why am I learning this yeah such an old age right uh it's scary yeah and it's just you know I feel like women's sexual health is so hush hush and it's just I think a travesty to humanity it is. And, you know, on that same thread, um, the, you know, we talk, I talk about communication and how it's important to communicate with your partner if you want to experience like a fully embodied orgasm. However, we were never taught how to communicate around sexuality and around our own pleasure, right? Like you're taught like here, wear a condom and um, don't do this and wait till you're married to have sex. Like, you know, that could be like, okay, one way <laughs> to talk about sex. Sparkles, but... stop. <laughs> <laughs> Sparkles, don't get too excited. Jesus. Oh, God. Sparkles, but, um... here. Get over here. <laughs> be a boy. Stop it. No. No barking. I miss her. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Sparkles, stop. I'm sorry. He's still a puppy and doesn't understand. And apparently he has hypersensitive hearing. So he can hear things like down the street and he barks at it. Come here, buddy. He's so cute. Oh, my God. He's adorable. I wish you were here to see him. He's the Me too. I miss him. <laughs> he's so cute. Oh, that's right. You met him when you were here last. Yeah. I've just gotten him. Yeah, he's a baby puppy. He is not that much bigger. I don't think he'll get past <laughs> six or seven pounds. So. Oh my he was God. probably four pounds when you saw him. So imagine him with like two or three more pounds on his little frame. Oh my God. <laughs> Too much. And that Too much. Itself is a little bigger. So anyways. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is a great moment to segue into a question that, that um, I was really proud of myself for thinking of. And this question 
it came up from doing your retreat last year um because mm-hmm. I was just so impressed with what ease you speak about any topic in regards to sexuality and um you know it's just so daring and inspirational so this question that I've been wanting to ask you is um what is the most radical thing about sexual health that you want to see no longer be taboo oh I think I think honestly mm-hmm Speaking about orgasms, speaking about pleasure. Yes. Just period. Because it's, you know, if we want to talk about something, it's typically when there's something wrong. Yeah. You know, like you you seek help when there's an issue. There's no, there's no education on, I mean, there is, but you have to really go look for it. Um, like I did, like. There's no education like, oh, yeah, your body is capable of all these types of orgasms, including a lifegasm and a, a giggle-gasm and a crygasm. Um, you know, like, there's no, there's no limit to what you are capable of experiencing. But instead, it's like, we're not going to talk about it. And um, we'll just leave it up to you to talk with whoever you meet on Bumble to help you figure out what you need. Wow. Um, so, I, you know, I think... I think taking pleasure back is taking our power back because from taking your pleasure into your own hands, that's how you can effectively communicate. Like I know how to get myself off and this is how, and not like, I'm just waiting for someone who to find my clit. Like it's unfortunate, but I did that for a while. Right. (laughs) I did too. And um, yeah, just kind of like, literally like sat around and waited for someone to figure out how to find it and then yeah. I realized I had to do that work myself by myself mm-hmm. to understand and like and then I don't know if you ever had this experience when you were single but um especially now like being um single and in my mid-30s like there's men who I've dated in the last two years who have been very like surprised that I'm very directive yeah tell them what to do and like and I really appreciate a man who um, can take that and listen to it and, like, execute, right? Yes. And Or ask. Yeah. It, asking is, like, the most attractive thing someone can do, I feel. And, and also, like, being open and, t- and like, directive, too, because I feel like it's so, like, commonplace and expected, especially in a heterosexual relationship, Um like mm-hmm. guys will always tell me what they like and what they want. And then there's been instances, instances, especially when I was young and in college where like they would tell me what they wanted. But when it came to me to telling them what I wanted, it was either not listened to or made fun of, which is, yes. I don't know if you've ever had that experience um, when you were young and single and, you know, playing the field and doing what we did <laughs> before we got into serious relationships. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that was, I think that I expected you to answer that question so differently than you did. Um, yeah. Cause I remember when we were in the retreat and you were talking about the different kinds of orgasms. I remember I missed a lot of that workshop and I was bummed out cause I wasn't feeling good. Um, and I walked in and you were talking about butt stuff <laughs> and I was like, what am I missing? Like, I was so upset at myself for 
feeling for being sick and oh you were going over like there's so many different ways to orgasm and it actually brought me back I don't know if you ever took the class at UM um understanding human sexuality um no oh my gosh it was the one of the best classes I ever took there Ah, that's so cool oh it was so great and the professor was a huge just held up the topic so well he was an old man who kind of looked like santa claus so it's kind of funny to go to that class um (laughs) (laughs) the assignments you would have loved because like literally some of the assignments he gave was go home and masturbate and write about it oh that's amazing it was amazing actually what i heard about that class i'm like i have to take it as soon as i i can i wasn't going to graduate until i took that class just like i imposed on myself and um, one of the, he talked about a case study once where this woman got in a horrible accident and became paralyzed from like the chest down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that, um, I guess in some cases, I'm sure this isn't true for all, but in some cases, like she couldn't orgasm as a result. And mm-hmm. my understanding is she was married and, mm-hmm. and her husband figured out that she could orgasm by um, having her earlobes stimulated amazing it was incredible i wish i like still had that um access to like that i want, don't know if it was a paper or an article or what but um yeah like you know it was so important to her to oh, that's so have, cool. have that experience with you know the man that she's with and loves um that they figured out a way around it and they were successful with a part of your body that isn't known for being sexy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, I love and compliments your earlobes, you know. Like... <laughs> totally. No, there are case studies where people have orgasms from brushing their teeth, like literally stimulating the gums. Wow. Um, and that's what that's what's so incredible is there there really is no limit, and that's what I wish people understood is that there's no like you have to have a vaginal orgasm for it to be a real orgasm. Like, F that, like, touch my nipples and let's see what happens. Right. Oh, I second that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You want to see me? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just, yeah, it's, um, it's a shame that we aren't, like you said, we're not given the tools, we're not given the education or the means to communicate what we need to experience pleasure and to feel, and like, what is pleasure? It is feeling into your body right it's it's embodiment you know it's it's actually um what I like to teach people is that an orgasm is the highest state of meditation because you are so present and your brain is nowhere else but that moment because you literally you can't experience orgasm if you are like scatterbrained thinking about something else like physically you cannot right so meditating is helping you experience orgasm in you're hyper- like more or less. You're hyper focusing on the moment. There's nothing else existing. Exactly. I remember exactly. when I started meditating twice a day when I was um, still living with my um, my then boyfriend. Um, I started meditating a lot, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time he meditates a lot now, we're actually friends now. And, um, yeah. And he, um, I remember one time we were 
you know, in bed together, and he was actually like a little upset because I was showing up so differently, hmm. and it wasn't the same. And I, I think I, I don't remember if I thought it or said it, but I was like, man, like I wish you were here, like in this mental space with me, because it was such mm-hmm. an experience. Because I was meditating so much, and it was creating such a different experience with him. And wow. And now, like, I don't don't know how it would be different now. Like, you know, we don't have that together anymore. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it actually created a completely different sexual experience um, that I really, really enjoyed. Like, I enjoyed every little bit and detail of the whole experience. Where, yeah. You know, like, the, like... It doesn't become about the orgasm or the climax it's about just being in your body the whole thing and made the exactly. like the climax that much more in intense and intimate and connected and mm-hmm. you know it was even like the feel of the sheets and like in the ceiling fan how that felt on my skin and even that was like something that would like take me over the edge you know yes yes the, you know smut novels <laughs> so yeah like um can you speak a little more to the impact that meditation has on the sexual experience, whether it's with yourself or sharing it with another person? Yes, totally. Um, so two parts. I think it's so important to practice on your own and to figure out what you really need. And, um, you know, like, yes, there is the meditation of like sitting in silence, but when you kind of make self-pleasure a meditation ritual, then you're able to drop deeper into your physical body and connect that physical aspect with your mind and with your energy. Um, So I think that is like step one to feel that connection um, and to kind of reframe the way you think about self-pleasure and meditation and kind of merge the two, right? how would you go about doing that? Because I meditate all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I obviously, like, very much appreciate and enjoy my vibrator. I've never really merged those two practices. Oh, so okay. How, how do you go about that? So I love this concept of making self-pleasure a ritual. And, like, like take yourself on a date. Um, set aside time don't make it like okay I gotta rub one out before I gotta go to my next thing like actually make a night out of it and make it special Um, and that's you know it's it's just like honoring your body it's like making time for yourself right Right. Um, so I would do that and then notice what you're thinking about as you're bringing yourself into a state of intense pleasure so Notice if you are focused on something else. Like, I mean, it's it's great. Like, fantasies are great, and they can bring you to a heightened state of arousal. But what if your fantasy was hyper-focused on you and yourself? So I would say make a meditation about self-love. Like, feel your body. Like, turn yourself on. Like, make you and yourself and your body the object of infatuation. So it's, it's really like turning yourself into this object that you desire so much. Is that that hard for people? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? I want to hear from you. Why is that hard for people? 
So body acceptance, number one, and feeling okay with the relationship with yourself. Right. It's hard. Because pleasuring yourself is so taboo. Like, I've never, ever, and I'm a very open person, like, except for maybe to, like, some of my closest girlfriends, because um, mm-hmm. it's kind of, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take risks and be open on this podcast, as it is my podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. It's <laughs> our topic. You know, my girlfriends make fun of me because I have a vibrator that plugs into a wall. And, um, the Hitachi? Yeah. Oh, it's the greatest awesome. vibrator ever. Yeah. Of all time. I'm jealous. I think I need one. Yeah. It, it, I can't believe you don't have one. They have a wire one now that actually has six speeds now, which I can't imagine. Uh, wow. <laughs> this one has like ultra and crawling up the wall and there's no nothing less than those two <laughs> things. And, <laughs> and I actually, I can't... I, I cannot have direct contact on my uh-huh. on my clitoris because it will actually be painful. Um, so it yeah. has to go like to the side a little when I use it. Um, I wonder how this episode is going to impact my dating life. This is going to be very interesting. The next cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and so I've always been pretty open with my girlfriends about um, you know what kind of vibrator I use and how I use it. And this is the first platform I've ever shared this information so openly. But is this something mm-hmm. that you see that could be a real topic of conversation in like social circles later on down the road or even like right now, like women sharing openly about like what works for them and what doesn't when they do it to themselves? Yes, right now. Share now. Right. Talk to your friends. Right. Talk open. Go get a vibrator. Maybe it's not a vibrator that works for you. Maybe it's your fingers and a shit ton of lube right like right the if we're just like keeping this like oh my gosh like I want to experience pleasure but I don't know how if we're keeping it to ourselves we're doing a disservice to our friends because (laughs) something that could work for me could work for you and the only way you're gonna find out is to try new things 100% and And I think, and honestly, honestly, like this is, I tell people and I get this question a lot. Like I've never had an orgasm and I really want to. And I'm like, how often do you play with yourself? What's the response to that question most of the time? It's so people who have difficulty experiencing orgasm, there's like definitely a sense of giving up, I would say. Oh, wow. So yeah. Most of those people, and I'm assuming, right? Like I'm picturing women who are who are having this issue and not so much men yes yes way way more women than men um and and look the vagina is inside like your pleasure the clitoris the only the very tip is like you can actually see externally and feel externally but most of it is internal so like you know think about your arm to torso ratio like if you're not accessing your vagina and exploring with a mirror and like really getting in there it could like there's stuff that you may never discover explore or experience yeah right, right. I so it's like try new things try just giving your breast a massage like just start there like you, you don't have to go right to the vagina or the vulva like start everywhere right and nor should you necessarily like no I, no I would actually give the recommendation like you know touch yourself like how you'd want someone to touch you exactly right and that yes not be straight for the crotch let's be real especially yeah a woman like 
<laughs> yeah, I would slap someone if, that, if that's all. where they went. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's more. <laughs> um, yeah, like, what if the conversation was more like that? So what if we did an example right now? Like, I think I'm starting mm-hmm. to sweat a little bit. I think I need to get more water. But, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, the potential of what this could really be, especially for women, because women, um, one one big takeaway I got from that understanding human sexuality class in college, and this is something I've been very, I was present to before and definitely present to since, is that every woman can orgasm differently. Yes. And each individual woman, like, what worked for me yesterday might not work for me tomorrow. Absolutely. And that requires me to be responsible and uh-huh. tuning in and knowing what that is and communicating it. Exactly. It's taking the power of your own pleasure back. Right. Because it's yours. Right. And, and you know, what I love to say is no one can give you an orgasm. You give it to yourself. Yeah. You let like even if you're, if you're with someone, you're experiencing the orgasm. It's not something that they're like, here you go. There's an orgasm, like wrapped in a package. Right. That's not how that works. It comes from you. I think it's one of the most powerful and important ways two people can communicate with each other. Absolutely. I've always viewed, especially since I've like grown up a little, you know, like um, I'm in my <laughs> mid to early 20s. I actually started having sex very late. I didn't start having sex till I was 21. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very much a late bloomer and yeah. um yeah like i think everyone's different so exactly, it doesn't matter exactly yeah <laughs> for that like that it, i didn't start till much later which might explain cool. a lot of my actions in my early 20s but anyways <laughs> <laughs> um shoot i just lost what i was going to say um uh, maybe it'll come back to me what was i communicating yeah. It, oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you. So um, yeah. I got present to pretty early on, like I want to say mid to late 20s, that um, sex is 100% communication, not just yeah. with the person you're with, but you have to know yourself too, especially being female. And um, because I, like, I know my body's a mystery to me sometimes. Like, yeah, especially when I was in my um, long term relationship and like we, him and I had a very like wonderfully sexual relationship and there were times sometimes when, like, it's like, okay, why isn't this happening as quickly today as it did two days ago, you know? Uh-huh. Yes. And it required me getting, like, really um, present. And also, like, one of the things that helps me a lot to get off is to really hyper-focus on how he feels in all aspects. Yes. And I feel like that helps him along, whoever uh-huh. he is <laughs> yeah and right so um in one of the ways he would give me feedback especially like all through our relationship actually we had great communication when it came to our our sex life mm-hmm. um he would tell me what worked for him because his communication back to me was i listen for your sounds i listen for your moans and when those sounds change or disappear and he's like, that is basically, basically like a navigation system for him. It's like his nav. It's like his yeah. ways. But not ways, gentlemen. You don't want to be using a ways <laughs> kind of system. You want to be using whatever the slowest one is, Google Maps. <laughs> you want to be taking 
time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Right? <laughs> so, like, yeah, and there were times when, um, I'll tell them, okay, a little more on my nipple or, you know, one thing that, um, just for, you know, complete blowing the lid off of this conversation, one thing I do like, you know, when I'm intimate with someone is that, like, I do like being spanked, but I hate being spanked in the same place twice in success in succession because I don't like pain. Mm-hmm. I like sensation. Okay, yeah. See, important. Right. Yeah, and that I just want to throw that out there as like a distinction. Like this is what this is what this conversation can look like, whether it's with your girlfriends or friends in general. It doesn't just have to be girlfriends or you know people who you're dating because we're not assuming they're just boyfriends, of course. Um, you know, and having that communication and acting on it. And there's definitely been times when I've even been with guys who have really liked, and when it comes time to being intimate with them, I'll tell them what I like and what I don't like, and there'll be a little comment about it, or it'll be ignored. Or, you know, it's something like that. And it's, you you know, sometimes you have to be in the intimate situation and be naked together before you learn that about someone. Mm -hmm. But it's important you learn it about someone because if they're not willing to deliver, hear you about it. And this goes for men and women in all types of relationships. Um, Yes. Yeah. Just don't put up with it. No. And, And it really goes back to, like, I think this podcast is, like, literally about communication because. Yeah we're not we're not really given the um the language on how to communicate what we want nor do we always have the confidence in speaking up to that because you know if if we're learning about how sex can be good from the movies and from porn they're not talking the whole time but who says you can't let's try that out um and then you know communication is it's verbal and it's nonverbal. So maybe it's moving my hand, moving someone else's hand closer to a certain area where I like, or like showing them exactly what I like to feel. And it's really about finding the confidence to effectively communicate that and allowing it to change. Because like you said, something that worked one night might not work the next day. Yep. And that's just your body being your body your hormones are constantly changing your mental state. Like you were saying, um, like energetically, where am I coming from? Like I'm really stressed out. So I need like fast, hard sex. Right. Yeah. Cause other you just need it. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's <laughs> man. When I'm stressed, I'm like a little hornball. Right. But then, <laughs> but then... But then, you know, when I'm feeling like kind of like sad and vulnerable, like I need really slow, passionate sex where he won't let me go the whole time. Like I need to be like chest to chest with him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really about communicating that. And that has nothing to do with sex. Right. Like that's like I'm feeling this way. Can we be intimate in these different positions? Right. Yeah. And that was one thing. Um, I just want to put it out there into the podcast universe that um, I appreciate about the last long-term relationship I had was that um, every single time we got together, it was different. And I'm not putting it out there as an expectation. Um, I'm just putting it out there as in like, it was just coming from a place of curiosity and exploration. And it was different every single time 
but in mm-hmm. pretty small, simple ways. And it wasn't anything extravagant. It wasn't anything like crazy and weird and like, no, like sometimes it was just like the angle was a little different or you just did something a little longer or a little shorter or like, you know, um, maybe the, like, we did the same old position, but in a slightly different way. Exactly. Know? And it was then I remember when we broke up, like that was definitely something that I knew that we both missed. We didn't speak to each other for, I think, almost a year Mm. yeah because I actually um had my clearing conversation with him when I signed up for your retreat I remember that yeah it was a month before the retreat it was actually on Uh his birthday um I had the conversation with him and then we actually like slowly started speaking to each other again and it was a lot of apologies uh, back and forth and um but that was definitely one thing that I really missed about the relationship him and I had and I definitely took for granted trying to date other men um because I've been used to that for almost a decade mm, that yeah. level of openness and communication especially when it came to being in bed together and um I just realized not everyone has that mm-hmm. and I also feel like it is not I don't want to use the word trainable but it's something that is like you know adaptable and anyone can take it on as they get more comfortable with themselves and with other people and absolutely right Absolutely. And I think it really does start with, starts with you Mm -hmm. because when you show your partner that you're comfortable and capable of talking about this, I think they'll feel a lot better too. Even if they're not on the same page or ready for that, you can say, Hey, and don't push anyone like, Hey, I want to talk openly about how we're experiencing intimacy together. Um, This is how I feel. Let me know how you feel when you're ready. Right. You know, it's, it's just really, it's just getting honest and they're, they're tough conversations to have because we're not taught this. We're not, we're not encouraged to do this. So it's funny that like a conversation can be taboo, which I'm like, wait, why? Right. But um, I mean, you know, it's it's up to you. We should be able to talk about anything without mm-hmm. feeling a certain way about it and um and it's interesting to me that this is this really is one, like one of the strongest human experiences whether it's the urge or the actual act itself yes and you know it's just so hush hush and so many like you know macro cultures and micro cultures you know whether it's like state level or like family level or you know community mm-hmm. level or country level um yes you know and I love that the most taboo thing that you think should be spoken more openly about is just pleasure itself. Yeah. So what is it about pleasure that you want people to be able to openly talk about? Everything. <laughs> Give examples. You want hardcore examples. Like, yeah. I'm like, like when so I walked hard to in, say, but when I mm-hmm. walked in late to that um, presentation in the retreat and you were talking about butt stuff, I was yes. like, I was like, what in the world? And if it wasn't for you and being you, <laughs> like, I might have actually like walked out. But like, I don't want to hear about butt stuff. Like that is not my jam. That's not what I do. Who do you think I am? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. I was actually just gonna say maybe it's butt stuff. Um, and it's you know it's it goes back to like we kind of have this like boxed in idea of what pleasure is and where it comes from. And, you know, if, 
if you're like a heterosexual human, you're like, okay, it's P and the V and that's where you experience pleasure. And it's like, guys, you are missing a lot. Right. Right. Like, um, <laughs> ready? Here, here we go. Here's yeah. inappropriate. I'm, I'm think, of, think of when you have like a really good poop. <laughs> I love this. Yes. Seriously. You're like, oh, yes. <laughs> Like, I let go of a lot, <laughs> physically, metaphorically, whatever. But, like, that, like, it passes through the anus, and it feels good, right? Like, there are nerve endings there. And you know that it's also really sensitive, mm-hmm. um, right? So, like, that, um, like, pain that people are so afraid of when they venture into the world of butt stuff. Um, like, it's going to hurt. It's too big. Well guess what's on the opposite side of that pain it's pleasure right <laughs> like be, those are and let's be real being female like uh-huh. sex oftentimes hurts the first time sometimes the first couple times you do it anyway yeah and even yeah. You, like i've been having sex for 15 years almost and like it still sometimes hurts and that's just yeah that's sex and that's just how it is Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and um it's really it's in tantra in the philosophy we talk about there's no right or wrong there's no good or bad there's no pain or pleasure there just is the experience that you of the sensation that you're experiencing and you're the one that's labeling what that is right. whether it's pain or pleasure so I know that that might seem a bit abstract, but when you're applying it to, let's say, butt stuff, um, if you can really relax your muscles and breathe into this experience and, hey, let's just start with like a finger touching that area. Like, okay, I'm over the like, oh, I need to like squeeze my butthole tight because there's a finger there. Like get over that concept in your head and then open yourself up to like okay now what is this sensation right right does this feel good nothing's going in nothing sharp like there's just a finger on my butthole (laughs) yeah like that's it right and then start there and that's it right and like I to to speak openly um, I feel like I'm sharing a lot (laughs) about my experiences but I I've had like one boyfriend who I dated, who I did actually enjoy that with. And, um, like for most men I've dated, it's actually been painful and I don't like it, but I'll try Mm -hmm. it and I'll be open to it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'll give them that one chance and (laughs) yeah, like, and with one guy, it actually was successful and I did enjoy it. Um, Mm-hmm. and you know and even speaking like I, I actually want to backtrack a little too like speaking of the different types of orgasms like I'm not the kind of woman who has a, a vaginal orgasm like, I think I've had two in my life you know okay like a front like inside vaginal. yes yeah okay which like and I, I get the anatomy from you know taking that class in college that um you know everything down there contracts like the vaginal muscles the uh, muscles of the anus like all of those muscles to my understanding contract all at once and um uh, but my orgasms definitely come from clitoral stimulation and not internal mm-hmm. you know i don't need anything inside to be able to orgasm totally 
but it was interesting when I walked in to that um, class late was last year um, when you were leading your um, workshop. It had never occurred to me that as a woman, it's possible for me to have an orgasm through, mm-hmm. through anal sex, which I had no idea until I happened to walk into your workshop that day. Yeah. Yes. I think, and I think a lot of people feel that way. They're like, oh, like, it's something that I would do for my partner because they want to experience that. Ooh, how right? do you feel when you hear people say that? I, it's something I do for my partner because they want it. Uh, part of me is like, you know what? That's great that you want to adventure with this person that you find so special and, um, you know, honor that decision. I think that's great. But if there's, if it's not mutual, then that's not something you should do. Right. You know, like, yeah, explore together if you're both okay with it. And it's something that you're a yes to not just the, okay, I will, because you want to. I think it's good to do that once in a while, especially in the beginning, if you're exploring, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to give some new things a shot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, (laughs) and it's, it's really like, it goes back to like, what are you willing to try and don't push yourself? Like, just make sure you're like, you know, check in with yourself and Maybe you, like, have the intention of, yes, I would like to try, like, anal penetration someday. Um, It doesn't mean I have to do it right now. Right. Like, wait till you're ready. Take your time. Like, see what happens. Um, You know, one day it could be really painful. And then the next day it could be, like, incredible. Uh, Especially, you know, just like you were saying, it hurts the first time um, having sex. Like, vaginal PNB sex is what I imagine you're talking about. Um. It, it that's the same with anal penetration like the first time is like whoa this is different and uncomfortable <laughs> and I'm only used to like feeling poop moving out right right and that but then when you... thing for me it was like this is not the right direction for anything like <laughs> <laughs> this is a terrible sensation and I hated it exactly I absolutely hated it um exactly but you know like so I guess if someone is listening to this and is like, hmm, maybe I will try it. I would say start with putting a finger on your anus. Like your partner's has their finger on your anus as you're experiencing orgasm. Um, because another big part of experiencing different types of orgasms from different areas of your body is getting your brain used to the idea of associating pleasure with a certain area. So you know, Nikki, that you can have a clitoral orgasm, like, relatively easy. Right. Anal orgasm, eh, maybe, right? Right. So if you want to explore that, I would say give yourself, like, bring yourself to a climax with your, by stimulating your clitoris, and at the same time, stimulate the anus like you would if you were experiencing an orgasm, or just, you know, like, warming up to that. Because now your brain is going to start to associate this area with pleasure does that make sense oh that makes perfect sense yeah but so that's something, a um because i feel mm-hmm. like now i'm like your client <laughs> is <this laughs> something you work with people one-on-one like having like um conversations with people around like you know accessing these new possibilities with their with themselves and with their partners yes 
Yes. Can you speak yeah. to that a little more? Um. It. Yeah. It's. It's funny because I feel like most of the time it's just giving people permission to explore, because they don't have that permission from someone else. Um. Especially with this topic, it's like okay, like I know that this and this happens in most people, so like that's where we stop. But I think my you know my biggest job or the biggest thing I do is just encourage people to think outside of the box and to try new things in their body like surprise yourself like see see what happens it's not necessarily like do this and this it's like open yourself up to more right Mm -hmm. which is easier said than done in a lot of cases (laughs) (laughs) right and I'm just thinking of like let's take a hypothetical hypothetical couple like you know what if two people start dating they're both very you know closed off and shy and do the whole like you know the the way to do sex you're supposed to do it you know missionary and not Uh deviate and I'm totally assuming here Um, (laughs) but you know, I feel like those kinds of couples do exist. I don't know if you heard, um, I don't know if this story is even real, but um, <laughs> I remember hearing, I think I read an article once actually, that this couple went in to see a doctor because of infertility issues. And mm-hmm. uh, they're, and I don't say this to poke fun at anyone religious at all, but the way <laughs> I remember the story going was um, they really wanted to have a baby that they had been married. And they said, they told the doctor, well, the Bible tells us to lay with each other in bed. And why are we not pregnant? Oh, wow. And the, I'm sure you can sense where this story is going. And so it turned out they took that. So literally, they literally laid next to each other in bed and just laid there and waited. Oh, Jesus. And (laughs) literally. (laughs) And, you know, I feel like, you know, what I... And it's probably a terrible example because there's no way of knowing if that is actually a real case scenario. Um, And I instinctively want to say, oh, there's no way it could be. But, you know, it's possible that it is, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible there are people out there who meet each other and get married and want to conceive and have no idea that that is possible, you know, because maybe they just happen to miss all the sex ed days in high school also, you know. You never know. (laughs) <laughs> so what about no, it's, mm-hmm. what you do with couples I don't know if you work individually with couples or anything but what would you do with couples who are just so like um clo- like I don't know if closed off is the right term to use but so naive around the possibilities of you know your own body giving you so much great pleasure and having a great experience with not just your own body but also with someone else's you know how would you navigate that kind of a session mm-hmm. speaking with so, a couple like that I think it, it really goes back to education and education around pleasure um, and giving people permission because you know that that couple may think that okay sex is penis in vagina it's done when the guy ejaculates or like the penis ejaculates into the vagina oftentimes there's no like did the person with the vagina come at all right so um if if someone is like in that narrow-minded belief and maybe not narrow-minded just an 
educated, I want to say, um, then it's really about empowering them through education and saying, you know what, this, it's good that you are doing this. This is okay that you're doing this. And here are some different options for you to explore. And I want you to do this on your own in the comfort of your own environment. Um, and then it's, you know, I, I always give a workbook out for my orgasmic health education workshops because I, it's funny, a lot of women will come to this workshop and they're like, I'm going to go home and like show this to my partner to like check off the items that we're doing and like how to's, which for me, I'm like, oh gosh, like, please don't get too nerdy with it. But <laughs> I think that's, I think it's great because yeah. why not approach your sexual health with the same vigor that you would figuring out another health issue? Because it is. Right. Right. So it's, it's really, for me, like in that situation, it would just be about educating and opening their reality really to what is possible because you're not going to do something if you don't think it's possible. Yeah. It's like breaking the four minute mile or the two hour mm-hmm. marathon that was just broken. I don't know if you knew about it. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah. It was a total experiment. It was not a real race. Um, and they used the current world record holder. His the world record is two hours and one minute, and they had like a pace car with a laser light for him to follow. And like thirty six people who swapped out and paced him the whole twenty six miles, and he was able what? to get in under two hours. So like, Dang. it's amazing what what you can train the body to do. Like you can train the body to break the four minute mile mark and to break the two hour marathon into orgasm through your earlobes yeah you know yeah like our bodies are incredible and i think one thing i would like to see is is having is um just people as a whole as society as a whole having more acceptance around it especially acceptance around female sexuality and that it actually exists yes uh, (laughs) and to be more curious about it and um and especially when it comes to female sexuality being more like less demeaning and more accepting and encouraging of it. Yes. You know? Um, Cause there was a, like the same boyfriend that I had who um, I was able to do the butt stuff with. I'd asked him once, <laughs> I'm like, why, why do you like this? And he goes, because it's taboo was yeah. his response. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. I thought that was actually thought it was kind of hot that he said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, and just the fact that I had that comfort level to ask a question like that, um, mm-hmm. in bed with him, like, I mean, that just speaks volumes to my comfort level with myself. Um, yeah. But it was also great, too, that he responded the way he did and so honestly. Um, yeah, that's being very vulnerable. And I, I admire that. Right. Because I think that's what it takes is, you know, it's not so much like learning all these new things. It's just being open and honest with what you have already right mm-hmm. we always have our sexuality yeah it's always you have a body you can experience more than you think that's it i still can't believe you orgasm during yoga that's so awesome i know it's pretty cool it's pretty dope. So do you <laughs> people to do that is that teachable um yeah more or less uh-huh there's actually a book called corgasm um, oh wait really and- yeah, yeah, look that up. I didn't write it. So someone else that book. Absolutely <laughs> that book. You know what? It's actually funny. Whenever What's that? Oh. 
sorry. Um, whenever I teach a an orgasmic health workshop, there's usually a few, like one to, however, like at least one person that can also experience a corgasm. Um, and it's typically with like leg lifts and like lower abdominal work. So is, and it it happens in men and women. Is a corgasm different from an orgasm, or is it like? the same thing and just like access through a different avenue like can you is, is that a different definition of corgasm um it's it's still in it's just the location of where the physical orgasm is coming from or what's being stimulated okay so it's the core yep where is still it? an orgasm yep and so that's still your the or i'm sorry that's in a corgasm is in your core it's it's stimulated from core engagement. Got it. Right. So it's like, I, I feel it. It's, it's kind of hard to locate it, but it's like, I feel it in my pelvis, like in the pelvic bowl. Um, it's not necessarily like, you know, kind of like when you have a clitoral orgasm, like you feel it in your clit, but it kind of expands and like everything's nice and tingly. Yes. Like um, it's like the whole lower part of my abdomen gets yeah. enrolled in the experience, you know? Exactly. Right. Um, is there, and I should have thought of this earlier in this episode, is there a definition for orgasm and preferably one of your own? Yes. So, um, I really, I like to teach this because there is no, um, single definition that includes both the mental and the physical aspect of the orgasm. Um, so like the medical definition is very much like it is a um, product of stimulation and contracting of the muscles. Like there's this whole long thing that includes nothing about the mental part of the orgasm. Would you like me to? And then there's another. I'm in front of my computer. Yeah. I'll look it up right yeah. now. Should I go to dictionary? That. Oh, actually, I think I've got a workflow. Oh, there you are. What's that? Um, actually, I think I can read you the definition, maybe. Hold on. Okay. Yep. Great. Yeah. Well, well, let me do that. <laughs> um, no. Okay, so the medical physical okay. definition. Got it. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay, so the sudden discharge of accumulated sexual excitement during the sexual response cycle, resulting in rhythmic muscular contractions in the pelvic region, characterized by sexual pleasure. Experienced by males and females, orgasms are controlled by the involuntary or autonomic nervous system. Okay. So, to me, that doesn't really say anything about, like, mental health or, um, like, intention. It's like the sudden discharge of accumulated sexual excitement. Yeah, it's very cold. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right? That's very cold. And it speaks nothing to like connection with yourself and potentially with the person who you're with. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then there's the psychological or cognitive definition, which is the apex and culmination of sexual excitement. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So that's like, you know, it, in that sense, I'm like, well, at least they're leaving it like vague enough where it's like, what is sexual excitement? Right. Right. Um. <laughs> But there's no, like, this is the definition of an orgasm. And I believe it's because there are so many ways people experience pleasure. Like, you know, there's no definition that says, 
like it is the moment when you stroke this person's earlobe for this amount of time and then they experience like stimulation in the brain like that no one's saying that right like and it's really yeah. a brain thing and a focus thing looping back to the whole meditation conversation from earlier in this interview right like mm-hmm. you know and there's hormones involved and it's not a it's simple and at the same time it's not exactly right? exactly it's not an easy so, to define i feel mm-hmm. So what I, I love to define this in like, forget the word orgasm, like lifegasm. And I, I'd say this because yes, I think orgasms are amazing, but I also think there's like shame around people who've never experienced an orgasm as defined by like stimulation in the genitals that feel ashamed about that. Um, So a lifegasm is, simply experiencing moments of intense pleasure in all aspects of your life. And I'm, I made that definition up because I, I think that gives more people power to experience pleasure in whatever way that is. Right. Didn't Osho define like uh, something along those lines in his book, Tantra, like the ultimate orgasm with the universe, Maha, Maha something, Maha, not Maha Mudra. Um, like a like a really intense like orgasm with the universe is about really just being so plugged in in the moment yes right yeah like that's it it's just it's like an intense state of presence it really and that's all it it is and like and it's amazing to me especially in the context of orgasm like i think that actually has like an immediate response like the more present you are, the more that experience charges forward. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's like that Uh fun thing you can do um, that is really almost like practice, you know, like for life. Like even if you have like big goals or whatever, um, you know, like the more present you are for that experience right now here in front of you, you know, the, the quicker things gain momentum and the more intense the experience is. Absolutely. Have you ever mm-hmm. done one of those, um, like those orgasm manifestation, like classes or anything like that? I've, I've done it with myself. Okay. Um, oh my gosh. Like, did it work? Can you speak to it? Like, cause I was fascinated by it. Let me, I'm going to talk about this for two seconds. I'm going to pass the yeah. for you. I found it fascinating. It was like, a an analogy between orgasming and creating the life you want. And I thought it was mm-hmm. so well put this girl. It was like an intro to buying her online program, which at the time I didn't have money for, but I did her like 30 minute intro and I took notes on it. Cause it was so fascinating, but cool. she said that like, you know, you set a huge goal for yourself. Like mine right now is opening my yoga studio. Um, and in the beginning it's going to require a lot of effort. And, you know, putting a lot of effort into like creating this, this goal that you want in this context, let's use the example of my studio. And, um, and I can't tell you how many times over the course of, you know, my life when I've set goals for myself and there's been effort, 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 effort in the beginning. And there's finally a point of letting go and it happens. Yeah. Yes. I feel like orgasm, especially as a woman, it's the same thing. It's effort, 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 gritting your teeth, trying hard and like, um, and my ex-boyfriend taught me like to push while, you know, he'd be going down on me, you know, 
And Mm -hmm. that would make it more pleasurable for me. I never had heard that before. And he was very educated in sexuality. And, um, and that was something I noticed when I was a sprinter for 20 years, like, you know, the early days of sprinting in the early years and the early days of the season, um, you know, it was effort, 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 try hard, try hard, try hard. But then when I started doing yoga and learned to let go during work and I applied that to the track, when I let mm-hmm. go, I got an extra burst of speed out of nowhere. Yeah. And so this girl in this orgasm manifestation um, thing that I maybe should have bought. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't have the money at the time. Maybe I should have gone back and looked into it a little more. She that analogy that like you know you're going to have a more intense orgasm like when you you know put in the effort and concentrate really hard in the beginning and working together with your partner or with or with yourself if you're using a vibrator whatever it is you use um but then the moment of breakthrough is when you let go and you trust yes yes i love that yeah that was her those are basically her words not mine and cool and I wish I knew this woman's name because it was really, really brilliant. Um, Is it Layla Martin? I don't. Honestly, if you said it, I wouldn't remember. Okay. Um, I think I, I have those notes in my computer that's in front of me. Um, I can dig them up and, that's okay. and send it to you. And, maybe, and if I find it, I'll put it in the, in the show notes. Um, but I don't even know if I wrote the girl's name in those notes. But I'll look it up and I'll find it. Um, cool. Hopefully I put her name. So... <laughs> Yeah, so you were saying that you've done this. Yes. So, um, okay, two two things that I want to get into that because this is, this is reminding me of this. Um, so, like you're saying, like pushing for an orgasm. So, like, I mean, I'm very guilty of this too. So, physically, your muscles, like you said, uh, contract during an orgasm and they rhythmically contract whether you're really aware of it or not. Um, which makes you as you are trying to approach an orgasm and like, I'm sure we've all been here where you're like, Oh my God, come on. And you're like trying to force it out into existence and you're like bearing down and you're engaging everything. Your body gets into a state of tension, right? Mm -hmm. So what you want And what a lot of like tantric practitioners work on is breathing through that orgasm. So what I really like to promote is finding a good balance because yes, you do need to contract your muscles. So it is helpful to contract, like squeeze your pelvic floor muscles and then relax and contract and then relax. So what happens, you, you contract, you experience that orgasm. And then when you relax, that is when a lot of the hormones like rush through your body. That's when you really feel it. So I love to tell people like, yes, contract, but try as hard as you can to breathe and relax into the state of orgasm because that allows the pleasure to travel through your body. And it's not just isolated to the genitals. Right. Um, Full body. So that exactly. That's how people feel like full body orgasms. So that's like one of the biggest things I teach is like try to breathe like be very conscious and aware of what you're doing while you're experiencing the orgasm physically and then mentally so mentally are you trying to focus on like something very like 
like narrow-minded like where uh, and you know maybe during the actual climax your brain isn't thinking about anything but before and after you probably are so this is where if you're practicing alone like self-pleasuring or having sex with someone like where's your mind like be very present to that and when it comes to manifesting your life and your goals like think of where you want to be think of that goal like become so present to it because we know that when we meditate and we think of these goals and these ideas and where we want to be in life you're kind of training your body to already be in that mindset right so so you have this goal of having your studio and you've been and that you've been in that studio smelling it seeing what it looks like while you're having an orgasm which is when your mind is extremely present so your body's going to get used to that feeling so for me it's like i i will self-pleasure myself and think of where i want to be so like i don't know maybe it's in a van by the by the river and <laughs> i'm like concentrating on that while i'm bringing myself to climax and then throughout like the rest of my life I'm gonna work towards that because that feeling was really fucking good and I want to be there right so So the the work of this is and this is orgasmic manifestation right um like whatever you want to call it but yeah like just creating more intention this might sound a little woo-woo to some of the listeners yeah but I I really believe in practices like this like I feel that I achieved a lot of my goals because I was very I stuck to very simple, like, intentional work that you get taught when you're, like, a little kid, like, literally wishes on stars and wishes into wishing wells and oh, yeah. writing things down and, you know, writing things down on a piece of paper and burning it with a candle. I mm-hmm. was doing those things all through high school to, um, you know, manifest my goals and dreams and desires back then, which were to, you know, go to the state tra- track meet and go to school in Europe and I did both of those things that's amazing and I actually attribute some of that success to those kinds of practices and um I do have the book sex magic that I like oh cool yeah I've opened it a little bit (laughs) or reading a little bit about that I I got it after I I took notes on that girl's intro um and I thought it was just such a fascinating concept because why my yoga teacher in my first yoga teacher training said that our sexual energy is our most powerful energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's your creative energy, whatever yeah. you're trying to create babies or the life that you want to live. Right. Which is, goes hand in hand. If you want babies, it's a life you want to live. Like you want to be. A yeah. Kid, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really hear that that can really be a potent thing for people to add in as a spiritual practice. Um, totally. and I love that I feel like you're one of those people bridging the gap between you know sexuality and spirituality and making those two things work together and be okay working together and they're not actually separate yeah thanks <laughs> have you read the Kama Sutra I'm, I haven't read it no not like front to back I probably should yeah have I have it and I've tried reading it a couple times I find I'm curious to know your opinion of it I've never finished it because it's disgusted me and I've had to put it down and walk away from it <laughs> <laughs> so especially being a woman um that's kind of yeah say about it I don't want to like because it's been a while 
but I've tried, I tried to do a workshop on it um, back in the days when, you know, Bala Vinyasa had become Floyo. And uh, yeah, I was going to do a workshop on it and I started and I decided at first and posted it on my Instagram story and people were excited. And then I read it and I'm like, there's no way I can teach a workshop on this. This information is terrible. Like, <laughs> it, it wasn't yeah um so i'm curious to know what your take on that would be if you if and when you ever read it um yeah i mean like a lot of um ancient um historical texts they come from a very male-dominated view yeah so let's try to in my opinion like just abolish that and <laughs> take a more open-minded minded approach and i think there's like aspects of the kama sutra that are amazing and just talking about how you know different configurations i mean just like a yoga pose like you go into yoga poses to access and to move energy in specific ways so in that way it's it's very similar to um like you know intimacy and experiencing that with someone else um i love teaching yoga for couples because it gives people it's almost like a different way to foreplay and to understand and appreciate each other's bodies when you do yoga poses together. Um, oh, you did that amazing thing in the retreat. Well, that exercise that we did where we like, you know, did you have a name for that exercise? Do you know what I'm talking about? Sorry. Can you say that again? It broke up. Oh, it broke up a little. Sorry about that. Yes. Um, no, sorry. So we did that exercise with partners at the women's retreat Mm-hmm. And at the time I was dating someone and I was so excited to go back and like share it with him. Cause you know, you can take it up a notch. Um, and I don't quite remember what it was, but it was so like, I remember I had my, my head in my partner's lap and all she did was like pet me all over. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And it was yeah. so incredible. Like I was just like absolutely mind blown. And I think I, afterwards um I sat up and I said like wow this would be great if this was a couples retreat and we could have done a little more (laughs) yeah you know like yeah for the girl I had like just met like (laughs) it was so awesome um can you explain or describe to the listeners like what that um what that exercise was if you remember what I'm referring to yeah um so I I typically call it just connection exercises um and I love teaching this because just like we're not taught the exact language to express our sexuality or our sexual needs and desires we're not always taught the way to physically and emotionally and energetically connect with our partners um and I think a lot of times especially as I don't know like an American woman I'm I'm automatically in that mindset of like, I got to take care of this person. And if he goes down on me for 20 minutes, I got to go down on him for 20 minutes and I got to reciprocate. And, you know, you can get stuck in your head right during a sexual experience and saying like, okay, if my partner's doing this, I need to do this. And it's like this weird game. Um, So I really, I love to get people to just drop that idea from their head and dedicate a time to fully receive or fully give because you know if it's all about being present and this is taking you out of the present moment where okay now you're receiving pleasure and now you're expected to give right after which obviously happens sometimes and it's beautiful 
But when you kind of, um, I love teaching couples this, like put a night aside for you to receive and then put a night aside for the other person to receive. Um, because it really gets us out of that thinking brain and just into the brain of, okay, I'm being, I'm fully present to this body and giving pleasure to this person and to allowing, you know, it's really just allowing this person to surrender into feeling very vulnerable and feeling open so they can experience pleasure and not feel the need to reciprocate just yet. Well, that would be, I think even in my experience, that would be very powerful. Cause mm-hmm. that's definitely my come from a lot when I'm with someone like, Oh, I finished then you have to too. And vice versa. Like it's like a have to kind of way of thinking. Exactly. Connecting, which is, I think you're right. You like, you shouldn't, like there shouldn't have to be a have to or or should have or would have kind of conversation when you're connecting with someone like that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. That- and that's why I like those like very specific practices because it is difficult to say like, oh, I won't do that because you're probably going to. So to like actually <laughs> put aside a time. Right. Pretty so cool. What, yeah. What would you like what, um you know, piece of advice or suggestion or practice would you give to someone you know whether it's male or female um that might have a hard time climaxing because they're stuck in their head and they're aware of it so what is something you would tell someone who can't get to completion I would say start by connecting with your body in a completely different way than you've been trying Because if you're stuck in this cycle of I can't, I can't, I can't, do something that you can. Like try something different. Like it feels good when I stroke the back of my neck. And I know that. And maybe it's not in like a sexual context, but it is absolutely in a context of sensation. So when you can train your brain and your body to just experience the sensation of this feels pleasurable then you're starting to make that shift in your mind because it really, at that point, it can become a mental block of like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Right. Um, so I would say like, start, start with like touching your, your breast or your belly or your, the back of your neck or even like the inside of the elbow, like where it's sensitive and where you feel. <laughs> hello hey hi <laughs> welcome <laughs> back so to the listeners they're probably very confused i know uh, I, I learned that um the like the call-in version of this app shuts off at two hours <laughs> lame. lame i had no warning about that at all so um, <laughs> so great we're back Yes. Um, awesome. I feel like all this information has been so incredible and so great. Um, yeah. So where were we? You were talking about how you would help someone who has not been able to achieve orgasm, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and giving like all of your like bits and pieces of advice and all that. Were you complete with that? Do you remember where you were when we had left off? Um. Yes. I think I was just saying like, you know, really try to feel 
your body in different ways than you would expect. Like um, maybe even, but just coming back to sensation. I think that was the main thing. Um, and, and also with that, there's a lot of breathing techniques and specific exercises. If I'm speaking to a woman, I would give her like different pelvic floor exercises to try out because a lot of times just bringing body awareness to the picture can help. Um, and it's really, you know, there's people who've experienced trauma like myself, you can easily disconnect from your body and it's almost too easy to not feel. Um, and you know, I like to equate this as think of, think of when you have your period and you insert a tampon, like we, we try not to feel that. Like we don't, want to feel that within us right I never thought of that before ever until you just brought it up yeah like you're actively disconnecting from your vagina because it doesn't feel good it's a piece of rough cotton it doesn't feel nice yeah no I don't want to feel that inside of me no but I want to feel something else inside of me so then we have to do like a little bit more work to to feel again and it takes time to retrain your brain to feel your body again right and I think the emphasis here is baby steps right baby steps yes yeah yeah because you're not you might not you know you know do the squirting thing or the anal thing 100% right away in the beginning it's not about that it's about taking Mm -mm. time and like I almost think there's just so many um correlations between this and exercise and yoga it's like really enjoy the journey yeah, the pleasures in the process. Yeah. And this is way more exciting than, you know, even yoga. And yoga is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Um, So what, like, in your words, what really is the relationship between yoga and sexuality? Like, sexual pleasure. Let's put it that way. Because I feel like that's most of what this podcast interview is revolving around is sexual pleasure. Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Is the correlation between yoga and sexual pleasure specifically? So I think that comes down to body awareness. Um, yoga improves body awareness, and that's simply being aware of the sensation in your body. Um, and that's how I actually used yoga for my master's thesis to teach health education. Because if we are teaching someone, to adopt health and a healthy lifestyle, how are they going to actually do that? And it's feeling and feeling the, the benefits and feeling the difference of feeling good in your body and not. So when it comes to sexual health, yoga can help you become more aware of your body and what your body is capable of experiencing. So I think that's the main connection is body awareness. Right. And mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier you would teach women more than one kind of pelvic floor exercise. I I wasn't aware that there could be more than one. Sorry, can you say that again? Yes. So you oh, mentioned God. earlier that um, you would teach women more than one kind of pelvic floor exercise. And I guess I'm not present to teaching more than one. Yeah, so... um. You know, Kegels, or most, a lot of people, sorry, know what Kegels are, and that's contracting your pubic coccygeus muscles. But then there's also relaxing them, like actually 
focusing on relaxation, which like I mentioned before, we need both when we're experiencing pleasure. We need the contraction and we need them to relax. Right. Um, and then there's, there's doing those exercises with your breath, which is also huge. And that's why I love yoga because it unites body movement with breath, with the focus of, you know, mentally thinking about that. Um, so, you know, I, I literally incorporate Kegels into different yoga poses. Like, okay, you are in a squat, but like try doing these exercises with your pelvic floor muscles and see how that affects your entire body. Because, you know, we can't just isolate, um, just working the pelvic floor muscles. It's, we, they're a huge part of our entire physical structure. So it's really like, it's like doing different yoga poses and then trying Kegels in those yoga poses and then seeing how that feels in your body. Wow. I never, well, actually, <laughs> I have thought of doing, and I have done Kegels in yoga poses, but I don't call it that. I call Mulabanda. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. I actually figured it out in shoulder stand. Um, oh, cool. One of my, this was years ago now, one of my teachers called it out. I said Mula Banda, and I didn't even think of it. I just like since the teacher called it, I just did it, and I was floored, pun intended, because um, <laughs> I my um, shoulder stand lifted up probably an extra three inches at least, and I felt like I got longer in my spine and my feet got closer to the ceiling just from contracting my pelvic floor. Yes. And it yes. blew my mind. Like I and that was when I finally got the importance of, you know, contracting those muscles in a yoga practice. Um, but then, you know, also the importance of it for sexuality and connecting with, you know, whoever my boyfriend might be at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really great. What is like one how do I ask this question? What is like one takeaway you want listeners to have from this conversation? Hmm. I would say put more weight, put, um, hmm, sorry. <laughs> Take- it's hard. Just pick one thing. Um, care about your sexual health. Mm-hmm. Like care, care about it and look into it more because there are exercises that can, improve how you experience pleasure and if you're experiencing difficulty even experiencing pleasure then that can be an indicator of something else that's going on in your body so I would say sexual health is a huge indicator of overall health so please care about it right and if you're not experiencing pleasure like in your body where else in your life are you not allowing yourself to experience pleasure Exactly. Because it's everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Anything else that, I mean, I know you and I could talk about this stuff forever. Like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anything else that you want to add or share about anything and everything we talked about? Um, Gosh, I feel like we covered a lot. We did everything from the clitoris to butt stuff. Yeah. Um, I would say just like go explore and surprise yourself. Right. 
I think for me, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is is explore and explore new things. Um, just because like why like we have a whole planet to explore and discover. Like you also have your body to do the same thing with. Yes. Right. Yes. Really, not that different. And no, in my looking at it, um, mm-hmm. what does empowerment mean to you? I think empowerment is um, it's it's more about radical acceptance mm. of who you are and being confident in that. I'll second. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's like, I think from there, that's where you feel empowered to go after what you want and what you desire. Yeah, like the kind of orgasms you want to have. Yeah, <laughs> like this is me and this is what I want. And lifegasms too, right? Yeah, intense ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does transformation yeah. mean to you? Ooh, you know, I, I love this question because I think... I know that forever and maybe still subconsciously, I'm like, it's becoming something greater than yourself. Um, You know, it's like, I'm not enough. So I need to transform. And I, I still catch myself in that mindset. Um, But I think the more I live, um, it's, it's about unraveling the layers that you kind of put on yourself and just dropping into the U.S.D. you like the transformation happens when you become your truest version of yourself and can you arrive there through orgasm hell yeah <laughs> yes amazing <laughs> hell yes because that's you in your like most raw form that's so great it is it really yeah. truly is yeah Amazing. So do you have any retreats or anything coming up? I have a lot of workshops in and around Southern California. um, But I'm working and in the process of launching a lot of online offerings. And I think this is a good way to work with more people because of the nature of it. You know, it's, um, it's sexual wellness. So a lot of people feel a little like oh gosh I don't want to go to a an event around sexual wellness mm-hmm. um so I think the online platform is good to you know I can be there coaching you through it in your bedroom if that's what it takes um, that sounds good. yeah so definitely check out my website which is what intimatehealthyoga.com awesome and if anyone wanted to connect with you on Instagram or any of the social media platforms where, where and how can they find you Yes, I um I'm on Instagram at Intimate Health Yoga, all one word. And um I'm on Facebook too. I'm pretty active on Instagram, so just DM me if you have any questions. And you can always email me. It's Courtney at intimatehealthyoga.com. And that's all on my website. Amazing. Anything else that you would like to share or contribute? Um, I just love what you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) I'm hoping to connect with you in this way. Like, there's no other way I'd love more to reconnect with you. Unless you're here and we can go grab dinner with my dog, you know? Yeah, let's do more of that. Yes. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I want to come to Miami and teach at your studio when it happens. I Let's know. I would love for you to come and do an intimate health yoga, like, I don't know what kind of like, workshops or a week, a whole weekend thing. I don't know if you do continuing education certs in this, but um, I think this would be such a great addition um, yes. to, like, any studio. And I know you've come down to, back to Florida and you've taught at a few local studios here. Um, some of the amazing work that you do and um, I just so appreciate it like breaking down those walls and um, taking things that have been taboo for so many generations and working to make it mean like main I don't know if mainstream is the right word but um, just making more accepted thank you thank you so much I just feel like it all boils down to people accepting themselves more and especially with my with Rajita Yoga you know going on the more like mental health track now I feel like this is a huge component to it is our sexual and intimate health yes definitely definitely amazing well Courtney thank you so much for you know sharing your time and your story and you know your journey and everything that you've been learning and best of luck with the new web launch with that new aspect of your business I encourage listeners if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, reach out directly to Courtney. Um, yes. Absolute wealth of information. And I don't know, maybe there's sometime in the future I might have to, you know, benefit from your services. You know. Yeah, girl. Hell yeah. It's so Thank cool. you so much for having me, Thank Nikki. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks so much for being a yes to this. And I'm so excited to see um, what's next for Intimate Health Yoga. Um, and thank you for what you do because... I feel like your rawness and like just how real you are and authentic you are, especially on your Instagram account about all of this. And like you use all the words that people are afraid to use, you know, like anus and vagina and all that. Um, You know, you're just really real about it. And it's just really refreshing and really great. And, you know, we just would like to see more of that in the world. So thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Have a great rest of your evening. I actually have to go and teach a yoga class now. So I will be signing off. Yes. Same. Have fun. Thanks. I will. I have a life gasm or two. I will. Or five. That <laughs> Multiple life <laughs> Bye. Yes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And there you have it, folks, a sexy tell-all episode with the amazing Courtney Avery of Intimate Health Yoga. Make sure to reach out to Courtney if um, any of this information sounded appealing to you, like it'll help you in your life and in your relationships. Uh, Like we said, it's a big part of life. Don't ignore it. Um, And just to wrap up quickly, make sure that you head to Eventbrite and get your tickets for the Lululemon Yoga class at Brickell City Center. We're going to be talking all things Cheetah Cola project PTSD and healing our veterans and taking 21 to zero um, make sure that you donate to the cheetah coalition project um, head to redcheetahyoga.com click on studio or click the li- click the links in either of the Instagram bios that's red cheetah yoga or Nikki the fairy that's n-i-k-k-i f-a-i-r-y and goat yoga is January 18th and February 1st and 2nd all at 9 a.m at John Ferguson High School in Miami. It's really in Homestead. Um, So tickets for that drop very soon. Um, By the time you're getting this episode, it might already be up on Eventbrite. So you can just search Goat Yoga on Eventbrite. Make sure that you find the 
event that is happening here in Miami down in Homestead. Um, also, send me an email to get um, onto the e-newsletter. It's really important um, that for future events, there's going to be a lot of events where the tickets are dropping first on the e-newsletter um, before Instagram, before anywhere else. So send me an email, redcheetahyoga at gmail.com. That's red as in the color. R-E-D, cheetah as the animal, C-H-E-E-T-A-H, yoga at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Give us a follow and five stars. And if you have any suggested guests for this podcast, please send me an email at the aforementioned emails that I have mentioned many times over the course of all these episodes. Thanks again so much for tuning in and have an amazing day. Bye.